Hi, I'm Wayne Heinsohn, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. Hey, it's a great time of year, isn't it? I love this time of year. And I was thinking over the last couple of weeks, what are the things that I love about this Christmas season that we find ourselves in? And here are some things. Generosity. People are very generous at this time of year. They're giving gifts, they're giving cards, you know, they're looking out for other people. There's a lot of connection with family and friends. People travel from distances far and wide just to be with their family. And I know some Grace Church family have people that are are traveling this year. I like this one. You get time off from work. You get some time just to sit down and hopefully watch the cricket uninterrupted. Doesn't happen a lot in my house, but you know, you do get a chance to relax and reflect upon the year and look forward to, you know, the new year and the hopes that lie ahead. And I think for most people, it's a season when we're full of joy, when we're full of peace, when, um, you know, just the, the thoughts around, uh, around Jesus reign supreme as people reflect upon things that are important. It's a great time of year. But here's a sad truth. It disappears really, really quickly. Because come January or even late December, um, some of the things that we love about Christmas, they just seem to disappear off into the distance. And so today I want to bring a message and I want to share a question or a thought with you. Something for you to ponder. What if we lived every day like it was Christmas? What if we lived each and every day, whether that's May, whether that's in August, in the middle of winter when we're all freezing cold, or whether it's in December, what if we lived with the spirit of Christmas each and every day? Because sadly, you know, as school returns, as we get back to work, as the credit card statements come through, the beautiful things about Christmas just disappear And we start to get back to the reality of normal life. And the memory of the things that we love about Christmas just fade off into the distance. And I was thinking, it's a little bit like, I don't know if this is true for you, but it's definitely true for me, when you have a holiday. Like, yeah, on a holiday, you know, you you go off with your family and you're having a nice holiday and you're enjoying your time away. And then the holiday ends and you've got to come home. And so you come home and you get back to normal life. And so, you know, people see in those first few days, they're like, how was the holiday? Oh, it was fantastic. We went swimming. We caught up with some friends. We ate too much. We saw this. We did that. All great. Fast forward a couple of weeks. People are like, how was the holiday? And in your mind, you've got to go, holiday? What holiday? That was like years ago. I don't remember having just been on a holiday a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if that's true for you, but that's true for me. You know, just a couple of months ago, our family, uh, we, we went to Vanuatu for a week and it was, it was a fantastic time. We enjoyed our time away and we did all of those fantastic things. But then a few weeks after we got back, I was talking to someone I hadn't seen for a while and they're like, oh, how was your trip? And literally I'm thinking, trip, what trip? I haven't been on a trip. Like, I just forgot it completely. You know, we had such a great time away as a family. And when it comes to the spirit of Christmas, I think it is something that we need to be very deliberate and very active about walking in all year long. Um, 
because that's the life that God has planned for us. God has planned not just for one time of the year around December 25 that all of those goodness of God things, his character, his DNA, not that it's just around that time of year that we bring that into the spotlight and we walk in it, but it's actually what he wants for you and for me each and every day. And I love that there's a a passage in Numbers 14 and I'm just going to read from verse 8. It says this, the Lord loves us, amen? Because of that, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is very fertile, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, this is not the main verse that I want to speak on today. So we're not going to spend a lot of time uh, camping in it. We're not going to unpack it. We're not going to undo anything like that. But I want to share it with you because I believe that it paints a beautiful picture of the ideal life that God has for you and for me. So Caleb and Joshua in this, they're scouting out the land and uh, they they see this land. It's very much a prophetic, um, symbolic picture of how we as followers of Jesus should be living each and every day. So like the Israelites, we shouldn't actually be held captive. So we shouldn't be held captive by the things of this world, you know, by the, the marketeers that will tell us, look, you've never got enough. You always need more. You always need the next thing, the best thing. Um, The news media who want to tell us that everything in the world is bad. Guess what? Everything in the world isn't bad. God is doing fantastic things. Or social media influencers who want to tell us, you're never good enough. You're never good enough. You're not as good as me. Or this might be ruffle some feathers. I've written here, the self-righteous religious spirit, which wants to condemn, that wants to bring us down whereas God actually wants to elevate us and he wants to lift us up as his children. But the list actually goes on and on and on. And I love this passage from Numbers because symbolically it says that you and I should be living in a land that is flowing with milk and honey. So think about this. What does milk symbolize? Fertility, fruitfulness, life. That is God's plan for you and for me, that we would be living and growing abundantly each and every day. What does um, the honey represent? It's a sweet nectar. So it represents joy, delight, God's sweetness. It represents pleasure, the sorts of things a lot of people experience around this time of year. But it's not just a one time of year thing. It's Christmas every day for you and me as followers of Jesus. That is how we should be living. And so for the Israelites, as they got a glimpse of the promised land, they could start to think about and believe for a land that was no longer barren, for a land that was no longer bitter, for a land that was overflowing with milk and honey and the goodness of God. The same should be true for you and for me. Every day, milk and honey is flowing in our lives. Every day, the goodness of God is with you. So every day should be a day of joyous celebration for what God is doing in our life and for what Jesus has done and is doing and will do into the future. That is why our reality should be we are living in a daily land where milk and honey is overflowing. Amen, church? When I was a kid, we used to leave out a glass of milk and a honey cookie for Santa. And I thought it quite ironic 
that as I'm reading numbers, that what I should have been doing when I was younger, not knowing Jesus, was replacing a cup of milk and a honey cookie for God's goodness overflowing with milk and honey. So everything that we love about Christmas, everything that you and I need to live a life that flows with the goodness of God is wrapped up in Jesus. And that pun is completely intended on this Christmas service. So how do we do that? It's very easy to say. It's easy to agree. It's easy to say, amen. I love that. Let's do that. So how do we do it? Well, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to take a look at the Christmas story. We are in Matthew chapter 1. That's where we're going to start, verse 18. And I believe, and I'm going to unpack some of this, that there are numerous keys in this passage which will actually help us to live every day like it is Christmas. Live every day walking in the fruitfulness and the abundance and the sweetness of life that God has planned for you and for me. Now, I know most people here, probably a lot of people joining us online, are very familiar with the Christmas story. So I'm not going to necessarily go through the whole ins and outs of the Christmas story because I think we're probably very familiar with it. But I do love that the way that Matthew renders the Christmas story is very matter-of-fact. So Matthew was formerly a tax collector, so he's a numbers man, a bit like myself. So it's like, here's the detail. You know, there's no embellishment like you'd read, say, in Luke's account of the the birth of Jesus. Um, And so um, what he he leaves with us, uh, Matthew actually leaves with us some keys, I believe, that are going to help us to live each and every day like it is Christmas, to live the fullness of life that God has for us. And so I want to go through beginning verse 18. The first of those keys is this, the power of God. Verse 18, here's what we read. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of of the Holy Spirit. I love right there as we are introduced to Jesus and his impending arrival, we are witness to the supernatural power of God. The supernatural power of God is on display. We've got this young girl, according to Jewish custom, she's probably around about 13, definitely a teenager. She's become pregnant in a very unnatural way. And I think sometimes, you know, we can read a verse like this and we can go, that's fine, that was Bible times, but that kind of stuff doesn't happen today. That's like, you know, that, that's happened in the past um, and that was Jesus. So, of course, you know, the power of God is on display. But I am here to tell you today that the supernatural power of God that saw Mary become pregnant is with you and with me. It is with you and with me. It's not just something that happened many, many years ago. It is something that is still happening today as we round out the year of 2022. It is still happening today. The same supernatural power that saw this young Jewish girl become pregnant is available to you and to me today. And here's why. The Holy Spirit, the power of God, existed before Jesus was born, and 
he is still with us today, many, many years after the death of Jesus. He is constant all the way through the Spirit of God. And that is where the supernatural power actually comes from. Now, if we look at, say, for example, a verse like Romans 8.8, it makes it very, very clear that the Spirit of God is with you and with me. Here's what we read. But you are not carnal, but spiritual, if the Spirit of God finds a home within you. You cannot indeed be a Christian at all unless you have something of his Spirit in you. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit and his place in our lives. And if you, you know, want to catch up on that, you can do so via our website. But the overarching theme has been the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit lives within you and with, within me. And when we follow Jesus, the Spirit is walking with us. He is guiding us. He is taking us where we need to be. He dwells within us out of our relationship with Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It's not some sort of sideshow. It's not some display of God's power. It's the intimate relationship that we have with God where he says, I am indwelling you. That's why it's so important that we understand that. And when we understand that, we then appreciate and acknowledge that we have the privilege of experiencing the presence of God every day. We have um, the, the supernatural peace of God that is mentioned in a verse like Philippians 4, 7. A peace that surpasses understanding is what it says. That supernatural peace is within you and me. It's not just because we've got a week off work and we get a chance to relax and we don't have to think about all the emails and the phone calls and the accounts and you know whatever it might be. It's because the Spirit of God is within us. We can give and receive supernatural grace. Grace that makes no sense at all. But it's the Spirit of God who is with us. Supernatural healing. We can constantly walk in and be agents of the supernatural power of God. It's not about what we are doing. Rather, it's about what the Holy Spirit can do through us when we have that close, intimate relationship with him. And I think it's very obvious that Mary knew God in a very close and intimate way. So much so that God said, I can trust this teenage Jewish girl to bring the saviour of the world into human form. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the trust that was involved in that? other thing that I love about um, the, the power of God is that nowhere in Scripture does Joseph actually question what God has done. Nowhere is it recorded that he is surprised or overwhelmed by the supernatural display of God's power. But Scripture does tell us that Joseph was a righteous man. So like Mary, he too was close to God. He too knew the power of God and the privileged place that they were in. Right, so the first one, the power of God. Secondly, in verse 19, we see the love of God. It says, 
Joseph, to whom she was engaged, of course, that being Mary, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And I always get a little bit conflicted at this passage, you know, because there's part of me that's like Joseph's running away. And so, you know, I was really just sort of praying about it and reflecting upon it. And I was thinking, why is it that it seems like Joseph is actually trying to get out of this situation that he finds himself in? But I want to just focus on those words, did not want to disgrace her publicly, because this is the act of love that we see on display. Now, let me give you some context when it comes to marriage during, during this time in Jewish culture. There are basically three steps. There was the engagement. We would probably know this as the dating phase, okay? It's when uh, the future bride and groom um, were quite young. They would come together, often arranged by their parents. So their parents would say, or a matchmaker would say, we think you two would be good together, so they're engaged, then it goes on to the betrothal, so that is step two. And the betrothal is basically, um, they are making a formal commitment to each other. And during this time, I find this strange, during this time, they're actually known as husband and wife. They're not legally or officially married, but they are known as husband and wife. And if during the betrothal, they wanted to break things off, they would actually have to get a divorce. So it's very different to how we would understand it. The betrothal would last for about 12 months. So in my mind, I go, this is engagement as we know it. You know, so you're engaged for a period of time as you prepare for the marriage. And then uh, the marriage obviously is the last step and this took place 12 months after the betrothal or thereabouts and it was actually at the marriage that intimacy between the man and the woman would take place. So Joseph and Mary are in the betrothal stage. Okay, they're not officially married, they're not legally married, but everyone knows that the marriage is just a formality. So they're like husband and wife, you know, but not really. But the challenge is that to be pregnant during this time would be one of the most distressing or one of the most humiliating things for someone who was known as being a godly woman. And this is the lens through which Joseph looks. He's not looking at himself and his circumstances. He's looking at Mary and he's thinking about her. He's thinking about her future. He's thinking about her reputation, her honour. And he's saying, what can I do? What can I do to save her from that? And so we see very much an act of sacrificial love because he wants to make sure that Mary doesn't have to carry around for her whole life the burden and the stigma of having been um, pregnant outside of marriage. And so he sets about coming up with a way out for Mary. So he decides, I'm going to break off the engagement. I'm going to do it quietly so people outside of the immediate family, they don't know that, so it's not a public thing at the moment. And so that's what he does. And I think at this time of year, what we actually see around Christmas time is we see so many acts of sacrificial love. We see people who serve family or guests that come to their house. So they set aside, like Joseph, they set aside maybe what they want 
for the sake of serving people that are coming for Christmas lunch or Christmas dinner. I know Daniel's got some family at his house today and that's going to be his day, is serving you know, the family that have come. Other acts of sacrificial love at this time of year. Parents who go without for months at a time so they can afford to give their kids a Christmas present because money is tight. That's an act of sacrificial love. Um, random acts of generosity. I love it this time of year. So many people will put on like a Christmas dinner or some way of helping out the homeless or people that are doing it tough. But then it's like a once a year kind of thing. And it's like, tick, I've done my good deed for this year. I'll just go back to normal life and I'll think about it in 11 and a half months time when Christmas gets closer again. That's not God's plan for us. His plan is that normal life we are serving. Normal life, there are acts of generosity. Our normal everyday life, there is sacrificial love. Here's what we read in 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us continuously, continuously love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born from God and knows God. The love of God is displayed to you and to me and poured out upon you and me each and every day. And as his followers, we too should be doing the same. The power of God, the love of God. In verse 20, we read about the voice of God. Here's what it says. As he, that being Joseph, considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I love to put myself into a passage and imagine what the person in the passage is going through. And so I do that with Joseph. So he's just had this very awkward conversation with Mary. And Mary has said, look, Joe, not quite sure how to tell you this, but I am with child. And Joseph's like, hmm. Well, that is a very interesting turn of events that I was not expecting. But I can just imagine the thoughts that are going through his head. What is he thinking? The voices of doubt that he must be wrestling with. The, the enemy's got to be having a field day with a whole bunch of lies and deceit that Joseph is actually wrestling with. And he's trying to lodge all of this untruth into Joseph's mind. And Joseph's trying to reconcile the awkward conversation that he's had. He's trying to figure out at the same time, how do I protect Mary? I don't want to break off the engagement. I don't want to break off the marriage, but I think that's best for her. And so he's got all these thoughts that are going on in his head. And the beauty is that his loving Heavenly Father knows this. And so he sends an angel in amongst all the voices to calm and to reassure Joseph. To say, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But it's even more than that, because there's a depth of intimacy that we see in what the angel says. What does the angel say first? Joseph, 
the angel calls him by name. God's representative calls him by name and says, Joseph, Joseph, I know you. I know what you're going through. I know who you are. It's okay. Your loving Heavenly Father has got this. He is in control. I know you've got your doubts. I know what you've been thinking. I'm not just some random angel that's been wandering around thinking, oh, who can I have a conversation with today? I've been sent to you for a, a plan and a purpose. And it's to reassure you, it's to comfort you, it's to calm you, it's to tell you everything is okay. But then what does the angel say next? It says, Joseph, son of David. That's important. It's important that the angel says, son of David, because it's actually alerting Joseph to something that was particularly significant. Because son of David actually refers to Joseph's lineage back to the throne of David. It's a reminder to say, Joseph, this is where you have come from. This is who you are. You are royalty. Don't forget that. Don't forget who you are. You are royalty. And so the angel has now got Joseph's attention. He's spoken to him by name. He's reminded him who he is. And then the angel says, here's how Mary got pregnant. Everything is okay. Don't break off the engagement. Proceed forward with the marriage. And it's at like at that time, all the other voices that he's been wrestling with, they all just disappear. And there is total clarity about the situation that he finds himself in. And that clarity is what you and I should be living with each and every day. We should have clarity about the voice that we are hearing. The enemy, like we read with Joseph, the enemy wants lies and deceit to overtake our thoughts and our hearts and our actions, but that is not God's truth. We shouldn't be confused by those lies and deceit of the enemy. We shouldn't be walking around in a state of uncertainty, not knowing what to do or whose voice to listen to or whose voice to believe. Instead, we need to ensure, like Joseph, that we are hearing very clearly the voice of God and living according to what he is saying to us. Sometimes that's scary. Sometimes he asks us to say things to people that are uncomfortable. Sometimes he asks us to lay things down and surrender things and we're like, I don't want to do that. But that doesn't mean we don't listen to his voice. His voice and his voice alone is the voice that we should be hearing. I love what Proverbs 3 verse 6 says about this. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. All right, in verse 21, we see the purpose of God in this Christmas story. It says, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. This wasn't just another baby. 
There's about 300 million people living in the world at the time. And this wasn't just 300 million and one people that were in the world. This was a baby that was born with a plan and a purpose. God's fingerprint was all over this beautiful baby that was born. Because God knew that the world was going downhill and it was going downhill very, very quickly. Man was becoming disobedient. They were self-seeking. People had turned away from God and from his ways. Sounds a little bit like the world that we live in, in 2022, I've got to tell you. So he said a new plan is needed. The original plan is not working. And so that plan involves sending his son Jesus into the world in the most ordinary of ways, in a dirty stable. But the plan and the purpose was the ultimate sacrifice and redemption of mankind. But the thing is, no one actually knew what was happening at this point of time. No one outside of God and his angel actually knew what was going on. Mary and Joseph didn't really have any idea what was happening. They knew they were pregnant supernaturally. They knew they'd experienced the love of God. They'd experienced the supernatural power of God. But they didn't actually understand why this baby was being born. They just knew that Jesus was uh, conceived supernaturally and that the angel had spoken to Joseph and by extension to you and to me and all readers that there was a plan and a purpose there. And we see the plan and the purpose in the name of Jesus. Now, not so much in the Greek, but if we actually go into the Hebrew, as you would probably know, the name for Jesus is Yeshua. And it actually means salvation, restoration, deliverance. Right there in his name is the purpose of God for all of mankind. It's the reason behind why Jesus was sent to this earth in human form. But what we need to remind ourselves from this verse and the purpose of God is that every day you and I have a need for a saviour. Every day you and I are imperfect. We make mistakes. We sin. Christmas is a great reminder that Jesus was born to redeem us all from our sins and reconcile us back to God. And that is something that we all need each and every day. Romans 3.24 puts it this way. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. When we live like it's Christmas every day, we are reminded, or we remind ourselves, and we are reminded that Jesus was born so that we could be redeemed back to the Father. Amen? All right, the next couple of verses I love because we see the presence of God. We see the presence of God. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I just mentioned when we talked about the name of Jesus, Yeshua, and it means salvation. This name of Emmanuel is so very important as well. 
because there is a connection between his name and the life that you and I live each and every day. Now, about 700 years before he was born, uh, Isaiah 7.14, I think it is, there is a prophetic verse that says a baby will be born and you are to call him Emmanuel. So seven centuries before he was born, that name is being spoken. It's being spoken. Remember that number, 700. And so what we actually see in this passage is we see the coming Messiah who was promised. We see him being born. I love that we get to see the whole picture. Can you imagine if you're around at the time Isaiah shared that um, prophetic verse? They didn't get to see that. They didn't get to see that. Those that were around when Jesus was born, was born, they didn't get to see the legacy that remains thousands of years later. But we get to see the whole picture. We get to see the entirety of what God was doing and how he's weaved that all together. And so as we read, Emmanuel means God with us. But if we dig just a little bit deeper, it's actually a twofold meaning. So it's God with us. But let's underline the God. Let's underline the God part. What does that tell us? It tells us his deity. But then, if we underline the with us, it tells us that his, he is near to man. So there's double sort of meaning, a twofold meaning when it comes to that. It's his identification and it is the nearness to you and I. There's no longer a distance between God and man. That distance has been abolished and we can be close and have that intimate relationship unlike under the old covenant so what does that mean for you and for me it means that no matter where we go it means that no matter what we do it means that if we're on top of the mountain or we're in a deep dark valley that God is with us that he is always with us that he is Emmanuel it's not just a Christmas thing, it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing, an every minute thing, an every moment, every breath thing, with every breath that you take, God is with you. Matthew 28, 20 from the Amplified Version says this, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance and on every occasion. Regardless of circumstance, top of the mountain, deep dark valley, God is with you even to the end of the age. As Jesus Emmanuel was born, God with us, the world was never the same again because God was with them each and every moment from that step forward. Two more I want to quickly go through as we wrap up. Verse 24, we see obedience to God. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. I think this, for a lot of people, would have been a tough sell. I think they would have gone, yeah, not sure about what it is that you're telling me. I don't know necessarily that this is how I thought, you know, getting married would necessarily go in terms of, you know, my life. And many, I'm sure would have continued down that path of divorce and gone, no, I don't like it. There's something a bit off about this whole story. I'm out of there. I'm gone. 
you know, I'll, I'll get myself a new wife. But as we read that Joseph was a righteous man, he was close to God, he made a choice. He made a choice to be obedient to what it was that God was asking him to do. He knew God, he trusted God, and even though I'm sure he still had a whole bunch of questions, even though I'm sure he didn't really have a full comprehension of everything that was going on, he surrendered himself to God's plans and God's purposes. It was an active choice that Joseph made, and we need to do likewise, because obedience is one of the keys to the kingdom of God. It displays and demonstrates our faith and trust in God. And Jesus summed it up very simply when he spoke with his disciples in John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. That's pretty simple, isn't it? You love Jesus? Then keep his commands. Not necessarily easy to do, easy to say. All right, last one, and I don't have a bunch of time to speak on this one, sadly. The promise of God. In verse 25 we read, But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I just want to say this. God is true to his word and to his promises. If he says something will happen, it will happen. Not if it's something that we want, not if it's our wishful thinking, but if it is from God, if he speaks very clearly about it and says, this will happen, this is a promise, it will be fulfilled. 700 years before Jesus was born, God made a promise to the Israelites. He said, a, prom a Messiah is coming who will save the world. And I'm sure... As each year ticked over to the start of a new year, the Israelites are thinking, when's this promise? When's it happening? When's it being fulfilled? Is God really going to make this happen? But it did. 700 years it took, but it came true. And the same is the case for you and for me. When God whispers one of his beautiful promises... I want you to faithfully and expectantly wait for it to come to pass. But here is the thing. Sometimes we don't get to see the promise fulfilled. So many of the Israelites didn't get to see the, the coming Messiah. But they knew that it was going to happen because God had promised, God had spoken it out. God said, that is going to happen we might not see it in our lifetime, but have confidence that it will happen. Psalm 145, 13 says it like this. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. Amen? So there's so much more I'd love to unpack around this Christmas story and you know, how we apply it. Um, to our everyday lives, but we don't have time to do that. But connect with us online. Make sure that you're here in church each and every Sunday as, or as often as you can be because we'll continue to speak the truth of who God is. We'll continue to speak the truth of his words. But as we finish, I want to remind you something. Christmas and everything that we love about it is wrapped up in Jesus. He is the hope of the world. He is the Prince of Peace. 
He carries our burdens. He brings joy. He loves us unconditionally. He is extravagantly generous. And he gave us the greatest gift of all. Much better than anything that's going to be under your tree, no matter how good that is. He gave us the gift of eternal life when he died on the cross. So don't get lost up, or don't get lost, I should say, in the unrealistic view of Christmas that the world wants to perpetuate. It's not about big gifts. It's not about falling snow. It's not about kissing under the mistletoe. As good as that can be sometimes. All right, it's not about that. Christmas is about knowing that every day God is with us, that every day he brings comfort, every day he protects us, every day he guides us, and every day he defends us. And church, that's something worth celebrating. Amen. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.